everyone. This is Peter Vantine from First Love Ministries. Today's First Love podcast is the conclusion of a previously recorded sermon that Mark gave on 1 John chapter 4. Let us love one another. Let's get right to Mark's message. And he says, so God is love. Anyone loves is in God and God in him. And, and then he goes into this little statement about love. There's no fear in love. Because in this life, we are as he is, is the literal Greek. In this life, in this world, we are as he is. See, if we are loving as loved, if we are living a life of love, he says, you don't have to fear judgment when Jesus appears. You should cast out all your fear. So now we're going to bring this down to planet Earth. You see, church, in the end, this is why we gather why we gather on Sundays, why we gather in groups, why we gather around meals, restaurants. The primary reason why we gather is not just to listen, to learn, not just to sing songs. Not that that's necessary. I mean, it's really a good thing. But if that's the primary lens, the primary mental framework with which you are anticipating and coming and gathering, then you've missed the most important thing of all. See, one of my pet peeves as a pastor over all these years as God's been training me in this is that one of the saddest things that I see happen in church is that so many times people come and have a private experience in public. People come to church and have a private experience in public. You know what I mean by that? I mean, like, we're all coming in here to learn. We're coming in here to sing our songs, and we face forward, and we don't notice anybody to the side or or behind us. And you listen to me, and you do the songs, and then we turn and say hi to each other for a minute or so, and then we're pretty quick out the door. Do you understand that the great command is most, most, most fulfilled and achieved when we gather together? Because no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, the love that that God revealed through Jesus. In fact, that's where the other place that John says that is John 1.18. He says, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the Father's side has made him known. Now he says it a second time. He says, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God dwells among us and his love reaches full measure in us. That love that's the very essence of his nature, that love that was revealed and expressed and done through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, that love is supposed to be continuing so that we can know and rely on it when we gather together. That's why you're here. Oftentimes we refer to this service as a worship service. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 and 16. Verse 15, we do all the time. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. But almost no one knows the next verse. Where verse 16 he says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. You see, one of the saddest things of us being 2,000 years removed from the culture of the day, both the Israel culture and the surrounding cultures, is that in our church, in our life experience, when we use the word worship, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Music. 
my hunch would be is that the first word that would have come to the mind of an Israelite would have been temple, would have been sacrifice. Because worship was all wrapped up in this thing you did, that you would go to temple, you would bring sacrifice, the priest would take that sacrifice and prepare it, it would be offered to God, and you would do that in a context of praying and singing and rejoicing and fellowship. But that's what worship was. And see, we're so far removed from that. But you understand is that the the sacrifices didn't go away. You imagine when the Holy Spirit came and the first time Paul told them that you guys are the temple. Not that place in Jerusalem. You are that temple, personally and corporately. And God comes and dwells among you. And we offer the sacrifice of praise. And undoubtedly, people would have said, but what do we do with the other sacrifices? Well, the other part of Hebrews tells us is that the cool thing is we don't have to bring animals here all the time and have them butchered for our sins because they didn't do any good anyway. Instead, he says, Jesus was offered as that atoning sacrifice. It was taken care of once for all. He always stands between us and God so that we can have access to him and draw near to him. But they didn't just bring sin sacrifice. They had peace offerings and fellowship offerings and all kinds of dedication offerings and sacrifices. And people would have brought these things. So they would have said, well, what do we do now? And he says, well, do not forget to do good and to share with others for such sacrifices God is pleased. Bring them, but you're no longer sacrificing them on an altar. You're sharing them with one another. 1 Peter 2 4 and 5. Remember it says, As you come to him, the living stone, you also, like living stones, are being built together into a holy temple to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices to God. Did you bring any sacrifice today? Did you bring anything to share, to do good? Did you think ahead of time as a worshiper today that as I gather, we're going to form the temple as living stones and God's going to be among us. And then, Father, what can I offer you beyond songs? How can I share and do good? Who can I give to? And you see, the thing that's so powerful about this truth is the fact that when you've encountered the love of God, this becomes the natural fruit in your life. Consider the woman who cried at Jesus' feet. She had been loved much, and so she loved much. She'd been forgiven much, and so she forgave much. I love Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, remember, he's the guy up in the tree, the tax collector. Everybody hates his guts. Jesus said, hey... I want to come and eat at your house today. I don't know what went on in his house, but he encountered love. How do I know that? Because somewhere in the middle of the meal, he stands up and he says, Here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor and I'll pay back four times whatever I've cheated out of anyone. And then Jesus says the greatest understatement in all of his ministry from my point of view. He goes, hmm, salvation has come to this house today. Really? What gave you that idea, Lord? (laughs) See, the normal response to being loved in that degree is the same measure with which we love as well. That our love is cheerful. That our love is sacrificial. That our love is intentional. In fact, in Hebrews 10... 22 through 25, (laughs) it's it's my little vegetable verses. Lettuce, 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 lettuce. (laughs) He says, let us draw near to God, as I just mentioned, through Jesus. 
And then he says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. But then the next two lettuces. See, again, people don't recognize. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the faith we profess, to the hope that we profess. And then he says, let us draw near to God. To do what? You know what the next lettuce is? Let us spur one another on to love and good deeds. In the next lettuce, and let us not forsake gathering together, which some of you are in the habit of doing, but do so, he says, all the more, encouraging one another until the day the Lord comes. You know, for those of you that are watching via website today, my hope is, is that you're doing that because you don't have a way to be here. There's a degree to which you understand that TV church is like the ultimate form of, in the Greek it's called anathema, forbid it, Lord. Because it, it reinforces this idea of a private experience. You can have a private experience all the time and I pray that God's touching you and blessing you. But my point is, is that that's only part of the process. The most incredible thrill of gathering together is that when we gather, we get to see God. And we can't see Him if we don't come loving one another. It's when we come and love each other that we go, Oh, there's the kindness of the Lord. Oh, there's the abundance of the Lord. There's the generosity of the Lord. There's the goodness of the Lord. There's the righteousness of the Lord. There's the peace of the Lord. And the whole thing is filled with the goodness of God. Who wouldn't want to come to church? And you know what the icing on top of this whole thing is? Is that when we come as worshipers, when we come thinking the great command that I'm coming to love God, especially by loving my brothers, I'm coming as a worshiper to bring sacrifices to offer to Him by offering them to you. As we come, he says, and we build the temple as living stones, then God comes, and, and 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, the coolest thing is that when God comes, he brings gifts too. Hot dog! When God shows up, he says that he comes into our midst, and by his spirit, he distributes his faith, and healing, and miracles, and words of knowledge, and tongues, and prophecy, and does all this stuff. And see, this is the saddest thing that's happened in the church of Jesus Christ. The two most divisive issues in the church are worship and the spirit. When the spirit is the most important gift given to us so that we can still be loved by God through one another. And the stupidest... Uh-oh. <laughs> Alright, we better back that down a little bit. The saddest, most ridiculous thing in the church is the fighting we've done over the gifts of the Spirit and those who have and those who don't have. You know why that's insane? Is because 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, Paul was not giving us those verses to teach us about how to do gifts. That's why it frustrates people. Because the only thing we get any inkling about is tongues and prophecy. And people even want to know how to do it. But Paul wasn't addressing that issue. You want to know what Paul was addressing? Paul was addressing the fact that the Corinthians had had this mistaken belief that the evidence of God's presence was the whole church speaking in tongues. He's trying to correct a problem, not inform them. And that's the problem. So how does he correct that problem? He says, folks, the evidence of God's presence is not everybody speaking in tongues. The evidence of God's presence is his love as it's expressed through all those gifts. 
That's why 1 Corinthians 13 is between 12 and 14. Not because we needed some verses to make wedding plaques. <laughs> like you could just lift them up and pluck them out. They're there for a reason. I don't care if you speak in the tongues of men and of angels. If you don't have love, you're a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. I don't care if you can prophesy, fathom all mysteries, have faith and say to this mountain, go into the sea. If you don't have love, you're nothing. I don't care if you offer your body to the flames, etc., etc. If you don't have love, you don't have nothing. But if we don't have gifts, we're missing out on incredible expressions of God's love. That's why they have to be happening in our midst. Because 1 Corinthians 14, 25, he says, when the unbeliever comes in and then they hear their story, they hear the prophetic, they see and hear that stuff, what do they say? Truly God is in your midst. Isn't that the thing we long for more than anything else? Is that when people would come into our gatherings and go, oh my gosh, God's here. Well, how do you know? Because I'm like bowled over by the expressions of love. What do you mean? Well, he healed. He spoke things to me that no one else could have known about. He encouraged me. He lifted me up. You know, it's just the simplest little things, like last night going over to see a friend, and we've had a really difficult weekend in our home, and to go over to see a friend, and and we sit down, and she goes, I just want you to know, Mark, I went out and bought Haagen-Dazs ice cream bars (laughs) with chocolate and crunchy things on them. But she looks at me and she goes, because I love you. And it just went, woof. Because she didn't just buy that. She was thinking about me and then did something to love me in the way I would be loved. This is why we gather, church, to spur one another on to love and good deeds. This is why we get together often, that we share and do good. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. We love because he first loved us. But I pray that God would really begin and continue to work in us a change. A change that causes us that in this life we are as Jesus is. That he's changing us to become true worshipers. To change us to gather, not just to listen, to sing, and to learn, but to love God and to love each other to see the power of God and the love of God happen in our gatherings. Well, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Mark returns with his regular weekly podcast next week with a look at Psalm 23. If you'd like more information about FLM, visit us online at firstlovedministries.org. Thank you for listening. Have a great day and God bless.